As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful, Herbal Face Food, for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to a very special episode of the podcast. It is episode number 100. We have this milestone being celebrated by not only myself, but also my collaborator, 
creator, dear friend of over 10 years, Michelle Martello of Minima Designs. Welcome in. I am so excited to share this milestone with you. Uh, We just hit over a million downloads, and now this is another really sweet, special milestone. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so we have collected over the course of the last couple of weeks a series of questions under the guise of Ask Elena Anything. Some of them are really funny. Some of them are really potent. Some of them are profound, and some of them are pretty sort of quotidian and logistical, but I think they're all worth answering. And Michelle will ask me the questions, and then I'll go ahead and answer them, and hopefully you will find some usefulness in anything that I share today. So thank you for being here, and Michelle, take it away. Great. Okay, so we're going to start with a future forward one. Where will we all be 10 years from now? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, I just finished reading Octavia Butler's books, The Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. And if her reality that she put forth in these books has anything to do with ours, by 2031, 2032, we will all be armed. We will all be searching for water and growing our own food, most likely. Uh, Most likely living in much smaller communities, uh, you know, of several families and very reliant upon each other and upon the land, less so upon technology. But who knows? Octavia Butler was incredibly prescient. She was one of the finest writers of our time. But it gets me thinking, this question about what I want to do in order to be prepared for such a possibility. So learning how to grow my own food has been a priority. Learning how to handle firearms safely has been a priority. Um, really just moving my reliance away from, from technology and more to how I use my hands, what I can create with my hands, and particularly in, by way of gardening and growing food. It's a great question. And you grow some killer broccoli too. So it's very impressive. <laughs> <sighs> I try. <laughs> so in the same kind of vein, what do you think about climate change? Well, I'm definitely not a climate denier, that's for sure. Uh, We all know that the climate change is causing so many other issues. And I think the most important conversation we're having right now is on the climate and how do we take care of Mother Earth and how do we uh, scale back our usage of particularly single-use plastic, seek out more aluminum, more glass, more reusing, like diligently, religiously, These are the things that I'm thinking about when it comes to the climate and how I can make a change in my small sphere of influence. Great. Now we've got a couple of fun questions. So this comes from Elizabeth. She wants to know who does the cleaning in your home and how often? Oh, well, mostly me and James. But every couple of weeks, I will have my dear friend Veronica comes in and she does things like the floors and the sinks, stuff like that. And yeah, it's nice to support her. It's nice to see her. But yeah, most of the, we do like vacuuming, you know, dishes, all that stuff. That's us. We love it. We have a, you know, sort of team tag on the cleaning every day. All right. So Brittany wants to know, and this is a funny one, what is your go-to Starbucks order? You know what's funny? I don't go to Starbucks. I make my own drinks in the morning. I have what's called an almond cow, which is a really cool sort of pot with a with a fixture in it that creates milk from nuts. And it's awesome. And I use it at least three, four times a week. I make almond milk for James and me. I make almond milk for Jonah for his shakes because he likes to make his own shakes. And... I will use that almond cow milk to create cacao, chai cacao, matcha, lattes. I have so much fun making my own drinks in the morning, so I don't don't go to Starbucks. (laughs) Sorry if that's disappointing. I don't think in 10 years I've seen you had a sip of coffee, honestly. I don't drink coffee. I I tried. I was, when I was at Cornell, I used to try and drink coffee with my friends in the morning. And I would sit down, I would get the little cappuccino or the espresso, (laughs) whatever. 
And like, it always made me sick, mm. like nauseous. So I'm just not a coffee gal. Although when I was living in Italy, I would have an espresso every now and again at the little bar with all the standing men, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And somehow that coffee didn't upset my stomach nearly as much as the coffee I was drinking in America or trying to drink. I was going to say in Italy, you have to, you have to have something there. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I'd like to talk about yoga. Beatrice asks if you could share how your yoga practice is changing, if at all, as you're aging. Oh, it's awesome. This is probably the best report I have from 50 years old and onward, which is allowing my yoga practice to change to both become more strong and more soft has been an utter delight. Uh, I work primarily in my yoga practice with really three, four different teachers. One is Abby Galvin and her staff at the studio.yoga. And what I love about her work, she's a student of Naveen Mishan, who founded Katona Yoga. And I love Naveen also, but I just happened to study with Abby and her students over at the, uh, over at the studio. You know, it's so much about alignment for function. For functionality. So I'm aligning my body and I'm creating the shapes so that the organs, the joints, everything in my body can function optimally. And that is a strong practice when you're, when you're really in it. I also practice with Judith Hansen Lassiter, who teaches restorative yoga and also Iyengar yoga. And there are aspects of her practice, her teaching, her cues, her instructions, suggestions that weave and wend their way through every other practice that I do. So there's a, there's a kindness toward myself that emerges as her student. I also work with Tias and Surya Little. They're a couple. They uh, work here in Santa Fe, but they don't do any live classes at the moment. They're just virtual, so it's really easy to work with them. Their website is Prajna, P-R-A-J-N-A Yoga. Tias is hilarious. Surya is awesome. What they teach is sort of infused with yin, but also having many other elements. And then the last bit, I do work out with my trainer on Future, which is an app, which is awesome. He doesn't, we don't meet on Zoom anymore. He just sets up workouts for me. And then I go ahead and do them three times a week. And those workouts are also strengthening my yoga practice in a really good way. So I feel like to answer the question, finally, my yoga practice is getting both stronger and softer. My brain <laughs> is becoming stronger and softer too. And there's a, there's a real delight in watching that process happen and seeing myself finally stand with myself and not against myself at any point. I love that. I, I would be curious too, um, because I know you also run. How do you incorporate the running, the strength, and the yoga on, say, like a weekly basis? What does the schedule look like? That's a great question. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I do the sort of 30 or 40 minute workout with Tom on Future. Again, he he's not with me actually. He sets up the cadence and the sequence on Future. And then I open up the app and I do everything. I have kettlebells. I have mini bands. I have, uh, what else? Weight, little ankle weights, all the things. Those are from you actually, Michelle. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday and Thursday. And usually Saturday too, I'll do either hill sprints or a run or a really strong hike. And then the yoga comes in where almost every day after I work out or run, I'll go to my mat and open on my mat is my notebook for glow.com. I work on glow. I do a live stream class every single week, at least one. And I'm always planning for the next class or for, you know, classes in advance. I usually have the next four mapped out on blank pages in my notebook. So after I work out or run, I'll go to my yoga mat, which is the same one from which I record and start taking notes on the next classes that I want to teach. So that's pretty much how it works out. And then on the weekends, Saturday, sometimes I work out, sometimes I don't. And Sunday, I never work out. I always just relax or hike. 
All right. So a few more questions here. Lena asks, I would love to know what was your lowest and your highest point in life so far and what each moment revealed to you about your spirit. Wow. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> the first thing I think of when I think of my lowest point was when I lived in the financial district in New York, I had just broken up. Well, my boyfriend had just broken up with me and I'd moved into this new apartment. We're really good friends now, so it's all cool. But I was really addicted to pot and I was not living my potential even a little bit. And the, the picture that I have in my brain is sitting up on the roof of that building where I used to sneak to go smoke between the cameras so the camera so the doorman wouldn't catch me can't even imagine <laughs> and i would have a joint which is really a spliff sort of tobacco and weed mixed together and then i would have an extra cigarette or two to smoke after the joint was gone i would have an ashtray and a lighter and all of these things would be hidden in a little pouch so that the elevator camera wouldn't catch me holding these illicit items if you can imagine all of this. And I picture myself up on the roof, kind of shaking my head to myself, wondering when I'm going to stop this charade, because I know there's so much else out there for me to be doing. I know that my child needs more from me. I know that I'm not operating at my fullest and I'm scared of giving up the weed, the cigarettes, the lifestyle, the numbness, you know, I'm afraid of it. That was definitely my lowest point, I would say. And even though it's not a super low, low sun is shining and I'm sitting on a very, you know, beautiful roof on furniture in New York city. I know for me, that was a point where I was really not there for myself at all. And I was just sort of going through the motions, numbing myself to not feel the things that I was afraid to feel. Um, the highest point, first thing that comes to my mind is my kid in my arms after I'd just given birth. He was the most beautiful thing, as any mother knows. And the smell and the feeling of him latching on for the first time. Since then, I would say, I mean, I might have just had it this morning when we had this drive to school. He's now 15 years old and I was super chill. He was super chill. We were both extremely in clear communication and really appreciative of one another. So it might have, it might have happened today. <laughs> um, and what that reveals to me is not just about my spirit, but about your spirit. If you're listening, every single one of us has the chance to do it all over again and to start fresh. And every day, I'm seeing myself getting better and better at being in communication, at being kind to myself and to others, at staying steady for myself so that I can be steady for my kid, my man, my community. Every day is new. And I think that's the revelation of, of that moment. I think this naturally leads into, we had a couple of questions about your sobriety. And I want to start with, with Keisha's question. She, she asked, where did you find the strength to quit smoking marijuana? She's having a hard time designating that space in her life, uh, trying to figure out if she can use it medicinally or have to quit it altogether. She says, I think this is a topic that is not openly talked about enough because people consider weed easy to quit. And she says, while it is not quote addicting something about it in my life, and I'm having a hard time saying goodbye. I could use some guidance on how you so elegantly let the things in your life that no longer serve you go. <sighs> I don't want to pick on you, Keisha. I hope you're listening. Um, there were two sentences that really stand out for me. One, you said, I'm having a hard time designating that space to quit. That, number one. Number two, something about it in my life, I'm having a hard time saying goodbye. Weed is not a person. Yes, of course, the plant is a being like any other being. But I can tell you from seven years down the road, that plant is not making your life better. It wasn't making my life better at all. 
And unless, God forbid, I ever get sick and require that for some physiological mitigation, nausea or other pain, I will never use that again because those were the the sentiments that I was feeling like, oh, you know, maybe I can just use it medicinally. It's like, no, actually, I'm on my third month straight of waking up, taking my child to school and smoking at 9 a.m. Like, this is not good. And then possibly again later, if my child wasn't with me that night, possibly again that night. It's when I hear you speaking like this, all I can think of is why don't you try 40 days without it just for fun and see what changes, what is transformed, what part of you gets alchemized in those 40 days. Try 90 days even, whatever you feel. And as kind of a gamification of your health, see what happens and then make your choice. Because if you say, okay, from today to tomorrow, I'm going to quit entirely, it's, it's, it's tough. I gave myself 40 days and I said, if at the end of these 40 days, I'm feeling better, I'm going to be done with it. By the end of those 40 days, I'd started writing the ritual of recovery, which is a beautiful 12, 13 minute spoken word piece on my sobriety, on my choice. It's episode, oh, do, 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 episode 33 of this podcast. And I knew by the end of those 40 days that I was never going back because my brain, my heart, my emotional life, everything was better. And that was the end of it. So maybe try a shorter period of time and then see how it feels. See if you feel more elegant. See if you feel more steady and make your choice from there. I love that. And I wanted to share um, on Elena's website, elenabrower.com slash recovery. We do have some resources there. So podcast she's been on, the one she just mentioned, episode 33, as well as a couple of written articles um, that you may find useful as well. Thank you. Yeah. And along with those lines, Rebecca asks, I've heard you mention getting off weed, but wonder if you drink alcohol and just wondering what your experience with sober living has been like. Hmm. Okay. Well, first of all, I never was fond of alcohol. So that was never really an issue for me. It just, it was like coffee for me. Like every time I would drink it, it would just be terrible, terrible. Like I don't have the enzymes or something. But my experience with sober living is something very exceptional. The alliances that I've built in this sober world have been nothing short of extraordinary. Uh, I, I'm thinking about Gabby Bernstein. I'm thinking about Tommy Rosen, um, Laura McCowan. These are forces of change in the world of sobriety. Gabor Mate, people who have dedicated their lives to helping other people live a clear life, clear of substances. I can't say I'm, I'm humbled as I say these names because I can't say enough about how their, just their sharing and journey have influenced my own. And sober living for me is operating with the seasons and operating with the light, natural light. So when it starts getting dark, we start winding down. Maybe we'll watch an old film or something, but you know, we're pretty much asleep by 10, 1030 around here, up when the light comes up, praying, sitting, going over my dreams, moving out to the garden, watering, opening, talking, <laughs> talking to the plant people out there. Um, you know, it's a joy to be alive. It's a gift to be alive. And to look back on those times and see the level of pain I was experiencing, trying to numb it, and in fact, worsening the pain, I see now how meaningful it's been for me to let go of all that and live this life to the fullest I possibly can without it. And it's meant the world to me. Hmm. You know, I think this leads really nicely into the next question. And it comes from Maggie. And she wants to know how she can connect and bring out the divine feminine and how she can bring more elegance into her being movement and everything she does. 
She says, you're such an inspiration and the embodiment of elegance and grace. Well, I don't know if I'm the embodiment of any of those things, but I definitely have those words in the forefront of my mind as my inspirations for everything I do. Um, it was many years ago that I started to notice that I was teaching my yoga classes going back to the early 2000s, teaching my yoga classes in jeans, which was okay, but it was almost like this unnecessary rebellion. And I didn't feel very feminine. I had a teacher with whom I was working who was insisting that I really needed to become something else, but he, he wasn't saying exactly what it was. And it was, it was a quandary for me for a while. He mentioned something about cooking my own food and it really struck me at the time. I don't think I really absorbed it until a decade later, but what I realized is that I wanted to be more like Mother Earth. I wanted to provide nourishment and nurturance for people, for myself, for the closest people around me, for my future family, for my community, for my students, my teachers. And I wasn't doing that at all. So I started with small things. I started by cooking my own food. It wasn't part of my vernacular at all. It just was too easy living in the West Village to just eat out all the time. And I was making just enough money so that I probably would have had a lot more savings back then if I hadn't been eating out, but I was making just enough to afford having like a lunch and a dinner somehow out most of the time. Which led to the realization that I wanted to be sort of more feminine in the way that I felt in my body and my skin. So I started wearing dresses and skirts, which was a total revelation for me because previously wearing jeans and sort of dressing kind of masculine. And I'm not saying what's right or wrong for anyone. I'm just, and I'm not even really hooked on the binaries necessarily. But I knew in order to calibrate myself to grow older, well, I needed to become more feminine. That was just how it went for me. More yin energy. And that's what I, I started from the outside in, strangely, with skirts and dresses. And then slowly that yin aspect started to become magnified in me. I was going to acupuncture once a week. I was having conversations about it. And that started to be realized. Now I feel that it's for me personally, again, I'm not saying what's right for anyone else, but for me personally, what feels best is this very nourishing, nurturing, elegant demeanor. It helps me stay steady. It helps me feel safe in my body. It helps me feel like I am contributing, generating what's needed in the world. So, and I, I want to acknowledge that that's different for everybody. And for the folks who don't identify with either and are really, truly non-binary in their identification, I say, bravissimi, good, keep going and go exactly how you go. Um, for me, this, this was just important and continues to be important. And I'm open for that to change too. I think one thing I would love to mention is I love seeing your delight when you come on to a mentorship or a live call and you do a little twirl in your dress. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's just something so delightful because you were a textile designer many, yes. many years ago, right? Yes, so there is yes. something about fabric in whatever shape it takes of that delight of dressing for yourself, but also I've never seen you look schlubby <laughs> like ever. <laughs> I love that word, schlubby. <laughs> Do you even own a, you do own a sweatshirt, I believe, but I think you borrowed it from Jonah, if I were. No, I, you know what? I have a couple of his that he's grown out of, but I do have a couple of sweatshirts that I've gotten like pretty colors and things that I wear in the morning when I go for my little run. So yeah, I do have a sweatshirt and sweatpants, but I like, especially in this virtual time, I love so much to put on a dress and present virtually, mm. even though you can't see me from my chest down. I don't care. I like to feel like I'm together. 
I think we're going to need a picture of your gardening outfit because I don't think you, you probably don't even look schlubby in your gardening outfit. I have a feeling. I, no, I usually go out gardening in a dress, actually. <laughs> that is what happens. And the mornings that I go for my run, I'm always in the sweats, you know, or leggings. But I, I've gardened in dresses many times. I buy the colors of the dresses specifically so that they can get dirty. I love that. Well, I think we're wrapping up here, but I want to touch one more question that Stephanie has. And I think it also, um, I would love to tie this into what is actually launching this week, which is the daily ceremony deck. Stephanie asks, how do you connect your art and creativity with your spirituality? Wow. That's a good question. Well, since I moved out of the city and into the mountains, I have a lot of inspirations art-wise that have now come to sort of a more real space for me. People like Helma of Clint, uh, Georgiana Houghton, Emma Kuntz, Agnes Pelton, a couple of these gals, Agnes Martin, a couple of these gals are known as the desert transcendentalists. And watching dusk and dawn, watching a moon rise, a full moon rise in particular, I'm starting to see the certain lights that they were seeing when they were painting these iconic pieces that I know and love inside out. That has led to me actually painting. This move has led to me actually painting, which wasn't happening in New York. In New York, I could create a journal from pages that were, you know, eight and a half by 11 or even a little bit smaller. But here I can get a big giant canvas and start to work. And this first sort of body of work, this first phase of work is deeply reflective of the move from the city to the mountains, the shift in my need for, or lack of need for stimulation and affirmation and validation. All those things have sort of fallen by the wayside now. And I see that as a spiritual pursuit because the moment I saw myself seeking those things whilst I was here, where I've now moved to, was the moment I started seeing that I have a, a, a very real practice and I have to become a student again here now. And it, it sort of moved me into a real humility around nature, around the practice of art, around how I parent, how I partner. And that has added everything to my life. Uh, the creation of this body of work, this first body of work, is now complete. I feel like I've done a few really incredible abstract pieces. We have prints that we've, gicle prints that we've created with one of the finest printers here in this town in this region. And those along with the deck are going to be made available like any second now. Um, the deck has actually my favorite painting that I've made of this body of work. It's called Ancestral Interval. And that's the piece that's on the back of the cards. It's very much inspired by Hilma and Agnes Pelton and all the other artists that I've named. There's a level of geometry and spirit and bursting energy and also total silence in this piece. So I thought it would be appropriate to put on the back of the cards. The prints, I had pretty much all of the recent pieces made into limited edition prints of 22. It's probably the most afraid I've ever been. I feel very capable when it comes to online courses and presenting, but oh my God, when it comes to real products, I've never done it before. It's something I've always wanted to do. I love the idea of having little pieces of art on the altar that you create if you're listening. And, you know, it's a real honor to make art and to have people own, own it and work with it every day and live with it every day. So that's kind of how it's all happened. And, you know, it feels very true and very right for right now. And 
all of these things, I'm so excited. We're going to have them at shop.elenabrower.com. So when this episode launches, the shop will be ready so everyone can wow. scoop up a card or a print. I am so excited to see these. There's already some out in the world that you've shared with folks, and it's really mm -hmm. exciting to see them. So if you do choose to get one, please tag Elena so that we can see it and in use. It's uh, really going to be delightful to see them out in the world. I can't wait. And then I'm thinking, Michelle, I know we haven't talked about this yet, but last night I was really getting into it. I want to make postcards, mm -hmm. like little collections of postcards of certain ones of the prints. Mm. I'm also feeling stickers oh, of certain stickers. ones of the prints, right? Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> so there's more to come. I'm very inspired by certain teachers of mine. There's a, a great gal on Instagram by the name of Morgan Harper Nichols, who I consider a teacher of mine, even though we don't know each other and she is over a million followers and she'll never know who I am. But her work has really inspired me and she also has a shop and her products, date books, all those things are starting to really light a fire in mm. me. And I feel like I want to also be participating in that, in that space of products that people use on a daily basis to inspire them. All good things are coming. Yoga mats, magnets. I mean, we'll come up with all sorts of things. So, Right, the mats. I forgot. <laughs> yes. Those are coming. Yes. Oh, that feels good, too. You can have a piece of my art on your yoga mat. They're beautiful. I can't get over it. The, the quality of the mats. I look forward to launching those soon, too. I hope that's coming soon. Definitely. And it's, it's just fun to see your stuff out. And it's like you said, you've, you've created a lot of digital things, which are always fun, but it's always fun to have just a little piece of what you created in your actual hand. Yeah. Um, so it'll be exciting to share that with everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I had this one last thought that I think uh, I want to touch on really fast, which is parenting a teen. Mm. I have a fair amount of my community that I know who are asking questions on a fairly regular basis about certain aspects of this process. And I think it's important to note a few things. Uh, I talked about this recently in one of our mentorship talks, Michelle, but I, I think it's worth it to mention here too. The first thing is you have to be really sure and really clear that nothing your teen does, unless you've been abusive, nothing your teen does is personal. It's not directed at you. If you can remember yourself at 14, 15, 16 years old, your brain is not even fully developed. Um, you're already being now assaulted with images in the media. When we were little, it was TV and magazines, but now it's like in your hand all day long, assault, comparison. And you have to remember that nothing is personal. I think the thing that I do the best is leave a great deal of space for nothing to be said. And if I do have to talk to him for any reason, I always try and talk to him when we're side to side and not face to face. There's a lot of wisdom in not making your teenager stare into your eyes, which is already very distracting. And also, again, their brain isn't fully developed and they, it's hard for a teenager to like lock in. It's hard for an adult to lock in with eye contact. When I learned to look at somebody's left eye instead of their both eyes, it helped me so much. But side to side is awesome because there's a lot more that can be shared when you don't have to look at somebody in the face. And I find we have some of the best conversations in the car or on the trail when he's in front of me or behind me. And I'm, you know, we're both walking in the same direction, but not anywhere near looking at each other. Those two things I think are really important. It's not personal and go for having side-to-side -side conversations rather than face-to-face. -face. There's more, of course, but I think those are the two things that I really uh, am proud of that when I remember to do them. Oh, I love all of this. And I, I have to say, watching you with Jonah is so sweet. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember when he was like four or five when we first met and yeah. just the ease and the latitude that you give him to kind of explore and kind of do what he needs to do, but then still rein it in <laughs> when it needs to be reined in. Yeah, it's just yeah. really sweet. Yeah. And he's such a good kid. He is a good kid. We have, we have good boundaries around here, but he knows that he can say anything to me and I'm not going to freak out about it. And he also knows that he can tell me the truth. I've been telling him this since he was five. 
you know, don't hesitate to tell me the truth. Even if you did something wrong or quote unquote bad, even if one of your friends did something really stupid, you know, if you tell me the truth, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make trouble for you. The truth is paramount. You know, I don't do like punishments. We, we talk and we get into what things feel like for me so that he understands the impact his behavior is having and gets to know what a natural consequence would be of something that he's done rather than F you, I'm taking your device away, you know, which I've done sometimes. I'll take a keyboard or something. If I need something done, it's just not getting done. I'll just take it. And <laughs> when it's done, you can have it back. But I would say that one of the things I do well is staying away from like serious punishing, punitive measures that separate us rather than bring us together. So good. So I would love to wrap us up here with, you know, one more thought. What are you excited about for the rest of this year? Mm. A couple of things. Remember, of course you remember, I'm asking the listener, Michelle, you remember Simplify. Listener, do you remember Simplify? It's a course that I created in 2020, mm-hmm. right? You did create it at the end of 2019. 2020, I, I mean, counts for five years, I think so. But okay, it, got it. it launched first in 2020. Right. It is a phenomenal distillation of everything that I have ever learned regarding organizing my time, prioritizing my needs, my work, my family, my workout, my business, and creating a life that feels as I said before, safe and steady. I put it together. I took my time in putting this thing together. We have the great honor of launching it again in October. What's fun about a relaunch of something like this is I've checked through all the content and the content is still stellar and totally relevant. Of course, I could re-record it with my bald head. You know, I just couldn't see the efficacy of that because the content is so tight and right. So what we're doing as we relaunch it is everyone who's ever taken Simplify is already automatically enrolled, which means you can go through the course again and you can be part of my live calls that I will do for every module, which is no small thing. These are calls that will help you to absorb and solidify the content in the modules and create for yourself a working dialogue with how you go forward in your life with a little more trust in yourself, organizational steadiness, stability in everything that you do, your family, your work. And it's, I've, I consider it some of my finest work, honestly. Um, we're going to we're going to relaunch that in October, which is very exciting to me because that will walk us through to the end of the year. Additionally, I look forward to, Michelle and I look forward to uh, starting a new phase of mentorship starting in 2022. It's going to be a little different insofar as we're going to have a community hub headquarters where everyone who's involved with mentorship can communicate and be in contact. This is something we've been missing. There are, gosh, over 150 videos in there by now, all sorts of content from how to be your best in your family to how to be your best in your work to creating new businesses, uh, creating businesses that thrive online, So many different aspects of this mentorship have changed people's experiences of themselves, their creativity, their work considerably and completely in certain cases. I did a post this morning with a quote from Courtney Kali, C. Kali Art, C underscore Kali underscore Art on Instagram. You know, when I first got in contact with her, she was doing consults that combined her art and her energy work. She's an incredible intuitive. And now she has created a line of products that are reflective of this real resonance that she carries, her intuitive resonance. And she's doing readings with her art that are garnering great value. 
both for her and for the clients with whom she's working. And she even went so far as to create a beautiful booth that she had built for her work. She's now making clothing. She's making art pieces and, you know, like printed art pieces, uh, stickers, and she has a thriving, burgeoning business. All of this is because of her time spent in mentorship, listening to all of us go on about how to trust ourselves and what are the practices and what are the ways to map out our time. You know, the wonder that I feel in seeing people go from having just sort of a, a sketchy idea, like a, a vague idea of what they want to do, into creating a, an income and a life for themselves, that is the most satisfying and empowering feeling that I've had. I am so excited for it too. And um, about the community aspect, I have so much to share with you, Elena. It's going to be I'm amazing. Excited. And that's, you know, it's been such a joy to see the folks who have been in it for the past year, just all the progress, all the comments, all the connections. And when you can have a space, especially now where you can connect with like-minded individuals, people who will support you, especially if you don't have that support physically around you, it is such a game changer. And we're just so delighted to to support folks and have that space. So mm. I'm really excited about that. And for anyone who isn't on Elena's list, if you go to elenabrower.com, I will tell you, Elena gives so much stuff. So there's meditations. If you sign up for her email list, we we just revamped it. It's a whole seven-day journey of, you know, her best thoughts and ideas and ways to connect with her. There's also on her website, um, we just launched... 30 days of oil. So if you just want a free 30 day experience with oil training, um, that's also another amazing thing. So I just want to encourage folks to get on your, Elena's email list at elenabrow.com. She doesn't send you a bunch of emails. <laughs> it's it's no. usually about once a month after that once first month, journey. Yeah. It's really uh, about giving stuff in the time that you need it so that you can absorb it. And it's such a delight just to, you know, build this community and see what's possible. And uh, I'm just so excited for the future and what what's next. Me too. It's been um, a real honor to work with you, Michelle, all this time. And, you know, 10, 11 years, we've never had an argument. We've never disagreed. I've never rejected anything that Michelle has designed. We're super synced up. So to come into the sphere of our work together, it's a really uplifting, safe, healing even space in which to find yourself. And I think no matter what you do, you'll find some influence for whatever you're looking to do or to, you know, refine in the body of work that we put forth. So I, I really appreciate everything, Michelle. And everything that we're becoming together. It's so cool. Wow. It's, it's such an honor and, um, and such a pleasure. So mm. I'm excited. So again, elenabrow.com for all of that. And thank you all just so much for being here and for supporting the podcast and for just all of your feedback. We love to see that. And please continue to share, please continue to share your ideas. Um, if there are speakers you'd like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out below the show notes on the website. I'll put a space where you can submit if you'd like to hear particular speakers or on particular topics. Um, mm. We're definitely open to suggestions and just love to hear from you. And here are some of the future requests. We're going to talk about environment. <clears throat> We're going to talk about creation, uh, clearing self-doubt more Q&A, yoga mm. content. I'm going to have Christy Turlington come on the on the podcast. I definitely want to have Abby Galvin again and Pamela Miles for Reiki. Angela Chambers is going to come on. Other suggestions that we received, Emily Wright, Madavi, Gimoez. I'm going to try and get in touch with Greta Thunberg if I can. Mark Holtzman is coming. Douglas Brooks and Vandewal, one of my first um, dearest friends in France who brought me to France for the first time and many more. So more to come. We okay. love you. Thank you for listening and thank you for being here.
Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity. The conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.